Counterintelligence is produced by Forensic News. Support independent journalism at patreon.com backslash Forensic News. Special thanks to Dana Berry, Andre Dunkel, William Healy, Angela Jackson, Zachariah Zeskor Kaminsky, Sasha Millstone, Craig Pierce, Greg Schneider, and Jason Zimmerman. Today's guest is NYU professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat. Professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat, welcome back to Counterintelligence. How are you doing today? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's uh, so great to have you back. Uh, the new book that is coming out is called uh, Strong Men, and it's coming out November 10th. And I was wondering if you could first just tell us about the book, and then maybe we can talk about the uh, election. And uh, just tell us about your book. Sure. Um, so it's it, it came out of all the work I've been doing since 2015 when Trump appeared on the scene uh, and and this you know kind of shock of of seeing somebody of authoritarian inclinations come to power in our country. So I look back over a hundred years and uh, look at various leaders and you know Chile in 1973 and the fascists up to Erdogan and Orban and Trump and look and see uh, what patterns there are in how they destroyed democracy and the tools that they used to rule. And so I identify. Um, propaganda, corruption, uh, masculinity, violence, and the myth of national greatness as the tools that get used all over the world uh, over 100 years. So there's a pretty clear pattern. I mean, to state the obvious, it's not, there's there's nothing, what we're seeing right now, and I, I you know, I couldn't help but note the um, the full title of the book is Strong Men from Mussolini to the Present, and it was, it was funny. I mean, I had to laugh. It was like, of course, when you when I, when I hear the present, the only thing I think of is Donald Trump. Was that the idea of of that title? Uh, yeah, it, it, he's there, and it definitely um, one of the aims of the book is to make uh, Americans who thought you know it can't happen here um, look at Donald Trump in view of what has gone on you know, by other authoritarian leaders, what they've done. And clearly, the outcomes are very different. We don't have one-party states anymore outside of, you know, some communist states like North Korea. And mass detention, like Erdogan does, is more common than genocide, like the Holocaust, for example, or what Stalin did. But uh, many of the things that they do, like, you know, disinformation and the cult of personality, um, all of these things are remarkably similar. So that's the tension of the book is what has changed over 100 years, like also media has changed. Mussolini used newsreels and Trump uses Twitter. But some of the principles of like the authoritarian leader-follower relationship are remarkably the same. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. So in this 100 years that you examined, I mean, are things pretty much the same? I mean, you're a historian or... Are there is there anything new right now that struck you as interesting in the Donald Trump era as far as authoritarianism? Well, the way that in the 21st century, the way that these guys get to power is not by fascist takeover or military coup, but they get there by elections. And then once they get there, it's very hard to get rid of them because they use elections to keep themselves in power. And so they they turn the institutions of democracy into, you know, tools to help them stay there uh, with varying degrees of legality. And Putin's been very successful at this as well, and so is Erdogan. And sometimes there are, like, crises, like the coup in 
2016, the coup attempt, and then Erdogan's had a crackdown ever since. So now he's not only president, but he's also prime minister. Um, he's appointed himself the top two jobs. And we have Orban, who now rules by decree. Nobody can tell him to leave. Um, so, so the way they get there is different now. Um, and again, you don't have a one-party state so openly, but, um, but the fact is they remain there as the indisputed leader, and they manage to kind of wrap all political life around their personal needs and desires, and that's quite similar to what used to happen 100 years ago. And I know just thinking about this country, what is uh, sort of disturbing is like Putin and Erdogan have both had more time than Donald Trump. I mean, this is this is four years of Trump. It's, uh, you know, yeah. any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, one, one, one thing that um, people say to me, you know, oh, well, how could you possibly be, you know, comparing Trump to, to these real authoritarians? And I answer that they had to start somewhere. Even Mussolini uh, is a, a, an excellent example because he was a prime minister in a democracy for three years before he declared dictatorship. And so the, the model we have of Hitler, who came in and immediately, you know, uh, did a crackdown, is not that realistic. The Mussolini model is actually more what happens today. Um, so, you know, it doesn't mean that... And, and every... It's going to look different in every time and place in every country. So that's why I don't say that Trump is a fascist, because that's misleading. We want him, you know, if we say he's a fascist, we're expecting like a fascist crackdown. And today it's evolution, not revolution. It happens slowly. And so we've had these four years of Donald Trump, who has gradually eroded democracy. And I don't think we've even assessed how much damage he's done from national security to domestic policy to every sphere of life. I talk about that a lot on this show. And some of that is just because some of this stuff is, are, it's secrets. Like it's the kind of thing that's going to come out in 50 years or a hundred years. The, the extent that he and Kushner and whoever else, the, just the things that they did and the things that they know, uh, you know, yeah, this is the, one of the things is changes in that, that this is a topic that can seem quite boring, but it's extremely important. Changes in bureaucratic procedure that allow crooks to get to power, to sell state secrets, to turn, for example, foreign policy into um, transactional alliances and private deals among despots in the world. And that's what's happening with our foreign policy. Um, all these kind of deals that Kushner makes behind the scenes. And so people like him, who he shouldn't have a security clearance, and yet the rules get broken and bent, and then flood, you know, f people, they make it a hostile environment for um, professionals with ethics who leave in vast numbers, and that's happened at the EPA, that's happened at the State Department. And instead they bring in these lackeys and these ideologues who often... Are, have no ethics and they lower the bar. Um, so that that's a story that we haven't fully registered um, because the scope of it is truly giant and uh, it's it's something that we'll reckon with. Um, I think in the in the in the close future, people have started writing about it. All of which will be blamed on uh, Democrats, I'm sure, as, as always. Yes. Yeah. The, the, day one of the, uh, let's say, 
Vice President Biden is able to win the election. It's like it is kind of like annoying just to think about that. Like I'm sure like he'll instantly be blamed for anything that happened in the last four years because of course, right? Um, but uh, that's just I guess my own commentary. Did you? So I'm just curious. This is a complex topic, but in the writing, is there one thing that ties Donald Trump to Mussolini to? Uh, or I mean, is there one thing that stands out, a quality, uh, whatever, whether it be psychological or whatever, in these men to, to you? That's a great question. There are many things. Unfortunately for Americans, uh, the personality and leadership style of Donald Trump uh, maps on 100% to those of the most destructive leaders in the modern world. And uh, one of one of the main characteristics is this egomania and this kind of requirement of loyalty. And so they, they reduce their parties to just being instruments of their, like, vendettas and uh, solving their immense ju- judicial problems, keeping them out of jail. And so the party becomes an instrument of the ruler's personal problems. Uh, personal issues. And so, in fact, um, there's a a concept I use in the book. It's like in one of the first pages of the introduction, and it's called personalist rule. And this is a political science uh, formulation for certain kinds of authoritarian leaders whose own personal uh, personality and quirks and obsessions, think of Hitler and the Jews, which are shared by many other people in society, but they come to determine state policy. So in this case of Trump, you know, keeping him out of jail and uh, rearranging government practice so that he can make money for Trump organization has been uh, fundamental. And so you have from there, I have a chapter on corruption uh, and and again, government gets reshaped to suit the personal needs of the leader. And this is something that Trump has in common with Mussolini and with people like Erdogan and Putin today. This episode of Counterintelligence is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Start or grow your IT career with online IT training from IT Pro TV. And we have a special offer for counterintelligence listeners. Sign up and save 30% off all plans. A recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019. That's more than eight times the growth rate than for other jobs over the past decade. While earnings growth for those with college degrees has somewhat flattened since 2000, earnings have actually grown significantly for individuals working in IT. It's never too late to start a new career in IT or move up the ladder and IT Pro TV has you covered, from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft. More than 4,000 hours of on-demand training, engaging hosts present information in a talk show format. They're live every day, and shows go studio to web in 24 hours. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role. Stream IT Pro TV courses live and on-demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and get a great job with IT Pro TV. Visit itprotv.com for 30% off all plans. Use promo code COUNTER at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash COUNTER and use promo code COUNTER at checkout. itpro.tv slash COUNTER and use promo code COUNTER at checkout and save 30% off all plans. It seems like the, yeah, it, it seems like almost like the, in a very short f- uh, amount of time, the, the, the country or the world becomes like this, just basically just like this projection of their own, the things they want. And it's just wild how quickly that happens very like like you said all of a sudden things are happening and they weren't happening and it's like yeah they set a new tone and then 
if there's no pushback early on, and every time there is no pushback because people are cowardly, and 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 this is the cowardice is especially noticeable in the American case because when you're talking about real dictatorships which came to to, to power, you know, through violence. If you protested, or Mobutu's regime, or Chile, if you protested, you would be killed. You would be tortured, you'd be killed. And so many people just complied. But what we're talking about here in the States, you can get smeared, you could perhaps uh, get death threats, and which I'm not uh, speaking lightly of. But for most of these high-ranking politicians, they're afraid of losing their seats in the Senate, they're afraid they won't be, you know, welcomed to their country clubs. And so there's been this vast compliance with the GOP um, when the stakes are not very high for them uh, compared to past, you know, dictatorships. And they still complied with all the corruption, uh, with all the immorality, even through his mismanagement of the pandemic. They, they have not opened their mouths. Um, they voted to acquit him, you know, for impeachment in, in, in uh, 2020. And they've acted in a, a classic authoritarian behavior, but a, a very ethically dubious way. It's pretty wild, like the idea like that he won't eventually, of course, come for them. Like we saw, for example, <laughs> at the rally with Martha McSally, where who like, you know, does totally throws herself in her, uh, his camp. And the reward is to be just mocked on stage like you have a minute to talk, you know, like, wow. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a that is a an eternal psychological dynamic uh, of this kind of leader where the more you give up your power to him, the more he actually despises you, <laughs> and he has a need to humiliate and mock everybody around him, and so that's one reason there's so much hiring and firing that goes on in their very unstable governments. And so what we've seen in America with this like revolving door. Um, or the way that anybody who tries a little bit to stand up to him gets mocked publicly, like Jeff Sessions. Um, this is typical for authoritarian leaders. So I have a line in the book where uh, all of them love to fire people in a, in a public way and take them by surprise so they can humiliate them. So uh, Mussolini used to, so there was like a fascist party head, a very huge job heading the fascist party. This guy in 1931, he found out he was fired by reading in the newspaper. And then Mobutu in the Congo used to do this sadistic game where he would like hold a rally and everybody had to be there in the front row. And then at the rally, he would announce who was fired. So they, they're all there. And of course, I give the example in our century of Rex Tillerson, the Department of State head, who found out he was fired while he was on the toilet, you know, scrolling through Twitter. And so this is, these, these behaviors don't change. Um, the way the, the media changes, the setting changes, and the consequence changes. Rex Tillerson was not put in jail or killed, um, but the humiliation and the psychological need to dominate um, and ridicule doesn't change for 100 years. And it's like, there's no way, listening to what you just said, it kind of, it shocked me in a way just thinking about, because it only brought one thing to mind, and how in retrospect... The Apprentice. You just described the plot of The Apprentice. And yes. how disturbing is that? 
Well, and and indeed, what what he's done is take is, is there's a lot to say about that because it's also he's he's taken this kind of media spectacle and transferred it onto politics. And so, in fact, the other day he was saying, "Oh, if I lose, you'll all be very bored." You know, Biden will mean boredom, mm. and not like this constant scandals, this constant like victimhood and he's crying about witch hunts you know many people find him very entertaining and he knows how to lead the public and the media around like he's a ringmaster and berlusconi was the same berlusconi is very big in my book because he also uh, ruled in a nominal you know democracy but he did exactly the same things he had sex parties he had you know three thousand lawsuits very very similar um, and these guys are masters at like managing our attention. Um, so, so the apprentice is uh, like it's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> as an example. It's like yeah, it's like ha ha like jokes. I kind of feel like jokes on me because I'm like oh I remember like before I knew anything about Donald Trump like I think I saw one or two episodes of The Apprentice and I was like oh that was that was entertaining. It's like but of course I didn't realize the joke was going to be on me. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah, the joke is on all of us, yeah. and and this is to go back to what you were saying before. What's what's really sad is that these people who support him uh, don't realize that he's going to come for them too. And the greatest example is the pandemic. All these people who thought he was so great, uh, some of them now have made videos saying I I believed the pandemic was a hoax, and now my wife is dead, or now my son is dead. And so over and over in history, and this is why I wanted to take this like sweeping look at at the past going up through the present, is that people, you know, they, they think it's okay to have an enemy and they think they're good and only the enemy will be persecuted. And what they don't realize is these rulers are so destructive um, that they don't care about anyone but themselves. And so ultimately everybody loses out sort of fascinating how like I might look at him or you look at him and you know I'm not going to speak for you or anything but I I, I look at him and have a variety of feelings that are uh, upsetting or just he just is gross to me and but other people have the it's like the opposite it's the exact opposite I mean that isn't that just wild like well, he's very skilled at, at um, he's been from the very start he's been very skilled at at um, creating these devoted followers and having a personality cult and and his matches the rules of all of the ones of the past where even, even to the extent where he's accorded like divine benediction for ruling by evangelicals that's it, it, it's not always evangelical Christians it could be uh, for Gaddafi it was certain Muslims it was uh, Bolsonaro also has angel- evangelical Christians for Mussolini it was Catholics it depends on the country, but the idea that there's this man who is infallible and must be adored and can do no wrong and is a man superior to all other men um, is, is, you see Trump being treated that way, and that's the way all of them were treated. Yeah, it seems like I can just think of, for example, like some people I grew up with who were older than me and who were conservative, and I can recall a long time ago, some I was having some conversation and I, I made it just a remark that was critical of uh, I think it might have been a Bush and 
of course, in retrospect, what was fascinating was that the person took offense, not just at the remark, but it was as if I had actually attacked just the core of their being, like the, the um, and this person is a Trump supporter now, like it wasn't just about the remark, it was them and the country, and it was all wrapped up together in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, yeah, very strange. And that's how you get polarization when people adhere uh, so tightly to these figures who represent things for them. They, it's an us versus them mentality. And so when, when they, um, like you, you know, many politicians can't help the way some people venerate them, but they can do their best not to attack others, not to um, they, if they're working in a democratic framework their opponents are not worthy of being jailed. So everybody, you knew something was up with Trump when he started to lock her up, because this is an authoritarian mentality. You don't lock up your political opponents. Yeah. You, you may hate them privately, but you allow them to be. You allow the idea of an opposition. And this was very radical, what Trump did, this lock her up. And I don't, again, I don't think we've quite reckoned with, with all that has gone on, because it's too upsetting to think that, you know, we're, these are not democratic behaviors. And if he won and he's been ruling for four years, what does that make us? Yeah. I guess that goes back to the joke on us. It's like... Uh, That's it. <laughs> uh, so... I. You've been, I mean, this is what you do. You've been an expert in this for a long time, but is this the, was, have you written other books on strongmen or why now, uh, to state the obvious? Why did you decide to write this now? I've always studied fascism and my last book was on um, Italian fascist film propaganda. So these issues of masculinity and propaganda and, you know, how the leader communicates, I already had been studying them, but um, this book grew out of, you know, two things. First was the the reckoning with Trump and what his clearly, to me, clearly authoritarian methods meant for our country, and that's why I started doing um, writing for the media. I started writing for CNN. I wrote for The Atlantic, and I continue to do that activity. So the book came out of this communication with the public, and feedback from the public. Um, and and then as I did my research, I, I realized that authoritarianism was defined in a very fuzzy way, and you almost like needed an update in the way it was conceived. Um, so I decided to widen my scope and do this more global um, book and and kind of isolate these tools of rule. And it made it difficult to write to to structure it as a theme, because every chapter, like propaganda, corruption, they each go over 100 years. So it took a long time to write. But it's very useful, I think, for readers to see, if you're interested in propaganda, you go to that chapter and you see how the same tools have been used over a century and what's changed. And so I felt like it was a good time with all these um, illiberal rulers now in power to to look back at um, how they got there and you know what dissect this model of rule. It's so wild just thinking about how they got there. Like just on that note, like I was thinking about like 
Trump got there from this crazy like Hollywood place and then but there's other ones that I mean do you find they share things in common about their backgrounds because for example like I know Orban was like correct me if I'm wrong but he was like a hero of the resistance or he he was you know yeah, yeah like that's interesting huh they 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 don't share they share personality um but they don't share a background some of them were not in politics like Berlusconi and Trump some uh had their own parties they founded like Mussolini or like Hitler didn't found his party but he took it over pretty early um you know some some fought dictatorships like Orban i mean there's Putin who was in he was an intelligence officer you know, came from the KGB. So they're all, they're all different, but one thing that, um, the reason they get where they are is that they're opportunists, they're ruthless, and they're very good communicators. Um, those are, they have a sense of where history is going, and they are totally amoral, so they don't care about principles, and they'll change. Like, and that's why you get these really weird alliances, just as, like, Mussolini was a total atheist, and he was the one who made the the deal with the Catholic Church that created the Vatican City. Like, he's, like you think he's the last person to be able to make a deal with the Church. And it's the same with Trump. Who could have foreseen that the evangelical Christians would embrace this, this guy who has, you know, dozens of women, uh, you know, sexual assaults and is corrupt, is really the most corrupt leader we've ever had. But this is what they do. So... So although they don't have a common past, they have a common method, and that seems to be more important. And as you said, the transactional nature seems to be huge. Like all of that stuff that we ju- you just described was was transactional. That's um, right, and that's that's one. That's why they also make these unexpected alliances with each other. That um, you know, Trump said in 2019, he said dictators. It's okay. Anybody can come in and do business with us. We don't care, and and it's true. As long as he can make a buck, and uh, he doesn't care what their politics are, who they've murdered. You know, he that's they're all like that. It's still so hard to believe. Like I almost I, I don't know what the word is exactly, but just like for the fact that, for example, a Washington Post columnist was literally an American was literally uh, assassinated. And just the the lack of response, it's just so wild. Like, I feel like this stuff hasn't been processed in a way by the public, that this actually is happening, that it did happen. I don't know. I, I agree. It's too, it's too threatening. It's too frightening. And that's why when I started, um, you know, before right before Trump got inaugurated, I published the CNN piece that was called Trump is Following the Authoritarian Playbook. And... And people, I got a lot of mail saying that I was just crazy. Like, how could this be? Because people don't want to, they don't want to recognize what's happening to their country, um, even when truly outrageous things like the, the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi or, you know, Trump not caring that Putin put bounty, a bounty on the heads of American soldiers. These, again, truly outrageous things. It, if it's almost too much to take if you didn't consider your your country in that light. And the other ways, sometimes people don't want to, they prefer to live with their heads in the sand because it means they don't have to do anything. They don't have to change their way of life. They don't have to speak out. They don't have to mobilize, um, which could mean uh, insult, you know, falling afoul of your family members, 
all kinds of sacrifices you have to make. Um, you know, I had to move my uh, office to another building in 2017 because I had like a stalker. You know, you oh. you pay a price for doing this work, and some people don't. They just prefer to say, "Oh no, that can't really be happening." It's so, uh, and I'm I'm I mean I'm I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh, I, that's terrible. Um, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're in a new office. Uh, yes, no, it's 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 fine, and it's just an as an example of uh, and and I'm I'm not a professional politician, but there's you know many many people who have suffered death threats, and uh, it's become part of the cost of doing business. Um, but you know, and and every time one hears about that, and this is it's different in 2020. This was you know back in 2017. It, it it was just easier to to say, well, he's not that bad. He's going to get better. He needs to just learn the job. That was the pivot delusion. <laughs> and so now with the pandemic, it's very hard to argue anything positive for him unless you're one of his true followers. Um, and and people, you know, we, we'll see if we're able to to vote him out. But um, the fact he still has a healthy following just shows you how um, powerful these impulses to stick with these strong men are. And that's, that's basically why I wrote the book. I was gonna say the pivot thing always just cracked me up because I was like, like day one, I was like, I, I think coming from a, a different background in entertainment and in a, a, a business that has no, no rules. And, and it's, it's totally different. Like, I think I always was like, this guy's crazy and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. But something about people who go to work every day, like in these government buildings, it's just this need, or even at some media outlets that are more suit and tie, like there's this need, just this need to believe in rules and structure that I know that the world is not always that way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I guess they were, they were delusional in their own way. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, when when these men come to power, it throws up in the air a lot of the things that you believe to be true about your own, own country, and it can be hard to accept it. Um, and this has been true of every people who's who's gone through this. Mm. We we have um, this is a good positive note to conclude on. Maybe <laughs> you know we have a historic opportunity to turn back this ongoing process of authoritarian like state capture um, by voting him out, which rarely people have. Um, when you think of, you know, Putin came, came back into office in 2012 and there were mass protests um, because people thought he stole the election, but by then it was too late. He'd been, you know, in and out of the presidency since 2000. So he had a whole decade, um, you know, of control and intimidation. He'd already killed journalists, murdered people. So we are at a different stage, and we still have a chance to reverse things. That's why the whole world is looking um, anxiously at this election. And on that note, maybe just uh, one more question. Do you have any, other than voting, of course, and by the way, by the time people hear this, I'm not sure where we'll be. Uh, so yeah. hopefully when you're hearing this, we're in a, uh, 
a new a new state of mind, literally. Uh, but any any suggestions other than voting for how we can fight this kind of thing, Professor? I think that whatever happens in this election, we are going to need to address the um, underlying causes that allowed Trump to get to office and to stay there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to need a lot of work of civic education. We, we, we have been able to take for granted some of our rights. And I, I think that the experience of Trump shows that's no longer the case. Also, there's a very good case for uh, a whole revision of, you know, corruption laws and transparency, accountability, all of the legal structure around these concepts that are fundamental to democracy. I think the fact, the way that Trump and his GOP allies have acted uh, means that these, these need revision immediately. Absolutely. And again, hopefully by the time uh, everyone hears this, we are um, either... Uh, dancing in the streets, or uh, I'll be in a secured location, as will the professor. Um, <laughs> it, uh, the book is called Strongmen, and it comes out November 10th, professor? Yes. Uh, please buy the book. I know I will. We need to know more about this topic. Uh, it was so great having you on Counterintelligence, and uh, I guess we'll, as they say, I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much.